And this is Elaine Godley. You're listening to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley. And I have the lovely Mary Wright in the studio with me. Hello, Mary. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Lovely to have you on the show. And uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of things, including PTSD and uh, your upcoming seminar about helping people to feel good about themselves. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. And um, we have something in common. We both grew up in Essex, I believe. Yes, that's true. Hence our wonderful posh accents. <laughs> <laughs> so, so whereabouts were you in Essex? Um, I came from a little village called Blackmoor in Essex, near just outside Brentwood. Which is not a million miles from where I was uh, brought up in Chinkford. Oh, so wow. I, was, I was on the edge of Essex and London. And, and in days gone by, uh, Chinkford was Essex. Yeah. And when it's referred to on the news, because sometimes it does make the news, because uh, Norman Tebbett, Lord Tebbett, is, is a councillor there. Uh, no, not councillor, MP. And um, they say Chinkford, Essex, but it's actually on, on the edge of East London, much to the horror of the older residents of, of Chinkford, <laughs> who, who still call parts of it the village, but uh, it's, it's not what it was. But Blackmore, what's, what, what happens in Blackmore? Is it famous for anything? Um, Blackmore's pretty much like just a really tiny village. It's got um, three pubs in it. Um, growing up there, they did quite a lot of... Um, Lots of different fates and stuff like that. It's just a traditional little tiny village um, that I come from. Okay, so um, you went from the tiny village, um, I think, into the army at some stage, didn't you? Yes, I did. I did um, six years in the Remy Regiment um, as a mechanic. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, loads of camaraderie, just met some amazing people and um, like friends for life. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, an amazing time. Brilliant. Well, that's actually another coincidence. I didn't know you were in Remy. My dad was in Remy uh-huh. uh, in in the in the war days, of course. Okay, cool. uh, a year or two before before you. So um, we're going to uh, have some music now from uh, actually my mum's favourites, uh, Acker Bilk and Kenny Ball. Is a, a back to back couple of songs I'm going to play here and I remember taking my mum actually in Essex to see uh, <laughs> Kenny Ball it's an Essex show today I have, we haven't got our white boots and uh, our hot pants well at least I it's, haven't have you got your hot pants I can't see under the table no it's, uh, ha- it's white handbags isn't it and white shoes dancing yeah, on the dance floor well. yeah dancing around <laughs> your handbags yeah I remember it well in my day it was it was handbags hot pants and uh, uh, what do you call those latent uh, patent leather um, shoes and yes then the boys would, would pretend, well, maybe they could see up your skirt through, <laughs> through, through the shiny shoes. I mean, how ridiculous, but, uh, oh. but there we go. Anyway, so Kenny, Kenny Ball um, and Aka Bilk, um, two songs that are coming up. Um, I remember years ago, Kenny Ball lived near Stansted Airport in Essex. Yeah. And um, every couple of years, I think, he, he put a marquee in his garden and the guys from Kenny Ball and the, the jazz men, the jazz men would fly in from wherever they were and um, they'd have this gig in his garden, basically. And one year I, I took my mum and um, I've got a signed CD uh, with... Uh, I was looking at it the other day, which reminded me to, um, to play this music. So um, here we go. It's a Black Bottom Stomp from mm. uh, Kenny Ball and Acker Bilk, followed by... Um, Kenny Bourne and Chris Barber with the Bourbon Street Parade. So you're listening to uh, Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley and uh, the lovely, lovely Mary Wright is in the studio with me. And uh, we're going to talk, start off the conversation anyway to talk about PTSD. And Mary, you were telling me that um, 
uh, about 10 years ago, you, you realised something wasn't quite right and you, you uh, yeah. were diagnosed with PTSD. So um, the, 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 the conversation is not about how you, how, you know, what happened to, to, to uh, you in, um, years before, but how you kind of recovered or managed. I don't know if the word recover is, is the right word, but uh, mm. what, 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 what happened about 10 years ago? Um, about 10 years ago, um, I realised that something wasn't quite right. Um, wasn't reacting like everybody else. Um, was getting really frustrated with life. Um, didn't really want to go into big crowds. Um, got really stressed out if we were even in a room full of 10, 15 people. Um, knew that there was something not 100% right. Um, seeked a lot of help from private people trying to help me um, through... I'm um, just trying to get me forward from where I was, um, trying to find a way to stop me from reacting every time I was in a big crowd. Um, didn't really get very far with that. So I went to my GPs and my local GP basically said, um, we'll send you on a 10 week course um, to see how we can deal with um, some of the issues that are coming up for you. And I did a 10 week course and the actual therapist turned around and said to me after 10 weeks, I'm really sorry, you're suffering with PTSD, but I can't help you. And just basically left me hanging in the balance and I wasn't quite sure what to do. Um, at this point in my life, it was just um, make or break. It was either I had to stay where I was and stay stagnant or move forward and completely change my life and find a solution to my problem. Um, so what I started to do was... Um, I actually joined a network marketing company and the reason why I joined a network marketing company was because they do massive seminars. Now, the first seminar I went to was about two and a half, three years ago, um, a huge one. And it was in, um, oh, I can't remember where it was. It was somewhere abroad anyway. Um, we went there and what I found was when I was in the room, I had to constantly keep retreating to to an area where it wasn't so packed um, to try and alleviate some of the stress and then constantly just keep putting myself back in the situation where um, I was in a mass, I mean, amount of people to try and alleviate some of the stress that I was feeling. Um, and eventually, um, it has worked over the last couple of years of going to different seminars and that and different events, um, just trying to relie relieve some of the stress that I feel in massive crowds. So that sounds like um, anxiety. Some people would describe that as a, as a heightened anxiety. Yes, yeah, some people would. Um, but obviously, like, there's lots of other mechanical bits that have happened during the period of it's not just being in big crowds. It's like now bangs. Um, being around um, people that I don't know causes a bit of stress for me as well. Um, do you mean an anxiety, as you say? Um, so there's a lot of different mechanics to PTSD um, that you suffer um, during, obviously, like why you've got PTSD. I mean, I still suffer from it now and again, but I know how to control it now. And it's a lot of it is to do with mindset. Um, so how I've actually overcome it is by training my mind to, to face a fear every single day of my life that's actually helped me grow and to stop me from holding myself back. So you mentioned that you were in, in the army and you were in the Rimi division. Yeah. And you were a trained engineer? Yes. So, so, so take us to, to, to that time. What, 
what what did you do in in that time to, so you, you weren't aware that you had P ptsd at that stage so no. so what were you doing how were you kind of occupying yourself day to day i've not been in the army I've, i have no idea <laughs> what a typical woman's day is like in the army um a typical woman's day in the army is well you get up at um 5 a.m um you get yourself ready for a roll call and get on parades do your parade um, and then you do like your, your daily duties that you're supposed to do. Um, you have parade at, at lunchtime, um, after obviously like your lunch. And then after that, you, um, you continue to do your duties of like, most of the time it was either like, um, recovering vehicles off the side of the road on exercise, or it would be, um, out on exercise, like escape and evasion exercises and stuff like that. Um, and like basically being in, in camp um, and just learning new skills like weapons training there was all sorts that went on during well, the day how old were you then Mary? Uh, when I went in the army I was 36 years old I was quite an no old no way yeah, 36? yeah I was 36 when I went I in I didn't know that was allowed yes yeah goodness yeah, so. how old are you now? Um, I'm 51 <laughs> no way yeah well um, I think this, this show is full of women who don't look their age. Uh, we've got a, a guest later on, Kathleen Minor, and uh, you'll hear in, in her interview, uh, she's talking about uh, a couple of topics. She's talking about um, hyperemesis, so uh, mm. tune in later to find out what that is. Um, all I say is that uh, Prince William's wife, Catherine, suffered from it. And um, she's also talking um, about... Uh, uh, self-perception as well which is sort of what you're touching on as well you know yeah. believing in yourself and so on mm. so so you were 36 and when you went into the army yeah um, how long were you there for six years is that is that a regular time is that do you, you sign up for six years or or oh uh, no no it just happened to be six years i just i mean i just stayed for six years and where were you stationed um uh, most of our place was done in um in in lincolnshire so that's where the most of the station place was down there, down in Lincolnshire. Right, okay. Marvellous. Um, well, we've got uh, a song coming up now by uh, Peter Andre, Mysterious Girl. So, dear old, uh, dear old, he's a young lad, isn't he? Peter Andre. So, uh, Mysterious Girl there. We were just talking off mic uh, with uh, Mary, Mary Wright, who's in the studio with me this afternoon, about... Um, confidence and uh, perception and how we kind of sabotage ourselves don't we Mary we do so um, you got into um, reading and learning about how you could sort of help yourself you were just left with this PTSD diagnosis and not yeah. a lot of help so so what were the first books that you started reading how did you kind of dig yourself out of the situation I think my first book was um, feel the fear and do it anyway um, it was about <sighs> about I can't remember how long ago it was to be honest but it, when I read it I didn't really get what it was all about I didn't digest it I don't think I was ready at that point this is a book by Susan Jeffers yeah um some of it I digested obviously because I, I started to move on to other things and I started reading different um books on how to get past PTSD um and I found that after like a certain period of time, about eight months ago, I've reread the book. And because I've reread it, a lot of it is digested. And now I face fear every single day. And if I'm not doing something that's not pushing me past a fear barrier, then I put a fear barrier in the way to get past it each day. 
um, because I think it helps you grow and it makes you um, less, I won't say less fearful because we're always going to have fear coming into our lives, but it, it just, um, it makes me feel less fearful with my PTSD because I'm constantly moving a step forward away from it. That sounds really challenging to me. It's like you're, um, you're getting up every morning and kind of setting yourself, what, what can I be scared of today and get through it? Is, it, is that how it, how it is? No, it's, um, I don't think it's that, it's not like that. It's, um, for me, there'd be certain things, that if I have to stand up and speak in front of a crowd, or obviously I'm on the radio, um, and for me, this is a massive fear to be on the radio station. So to push that barrier and to actually be on here is what I'm on about. It's like just doing something you wouldn't generally do normally on a, a day-to-day basis. Um, it may be like just going and speaking to a stranger and saying hello to them and just chatting to them, um, which I find really difficult. So, um, so yeah, it's just pushing those barriers each day, um, doing something a little bit different that I wouldn't normally do the day before. Okay, so... Um you mentioned uh, the, the book Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by mm-hmm. Susan Jeffers. Um, yep. Are there any other books that you can recommend for people to, to read to help themselves? Um, I would have said Napoleon Hill's a really good book. The, um, the think, and, think and Grow Rich. Yeah, Think and Grow Rich. I really enjoyed that. Um, there's, oh, there's so many. I, do you know, to read them off the top of my head, there are so, so many books that I've read over the years that, I would have said that if you see a book and it catches your eye and there is something in it that when you read the back of it draws you to it, then that's the book that you should be reading at that period of your life. And there's reasons as well that things come into our lives. Someone may suggest a book to you or someone may come into your life that's written a book. It will just naturally come to you um, and you'll be able to like know that by reading it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I've read, like Tony Robbins, for instance. Um, Tony Robbins has been a massive, massive um, inspiration for me of moving forward in the last two years. Um, I did his seminar about two years ago. And when I came back from that, I was just totally blown away. And then this year in February, February, March time, I went and did crewing. So instead of me actually being in the crowds trying to get past my anxieties I was actually helping other people come past grow past their anxieties and that which was amazing and how was that for you how did that differ to to you actually being in in the crowd how did it feel different um I guess for me being in the crowd I was helping myself to face a lot of um a lot of gremlins Um, that have been hanging over me for a long time and letting go of my past of like some of the stuff happened that happens while I was growing up it's about forgiving people and moving on and I did a lot of forgiveness that weekend when I was at Tony Robbins and I think when you learn to forgive somebody regardless what they have done how bad it is if you can forgive them it actually releases you from holding yourself back fear um, anxiety it just completely changes your life that's all I can say that it well, that's what it's done for me and I know it's done it for a lot of other people um, it's just completely changed their lives for them by just forgiving people for something that I wouldn't say it's out of their control but we've been given free will um, and that's what it's all about it's moving past that free will that we've been given 
that's that's a good good way of looking at it, Mary. And it's and it's it's so true. The people that I mentor, particularly through cancer, um, forgiveness is a, a big. I mean, we could do a whole program on forgiveness. We could mm. talk for days on it. I'm sure between the pair of us. Yeah. Um, but when you're forgiving uh, people, it's for their behaviour. It doesn't mean you don't love the person, but you don't love their behaviour. Yeah. And um, most people, uh, in my experience, do things at a, at a time which maybe they maybe they know they're doing wrong things, but a lot of people will not necessarily go out of their way to do wrong, but mm. the perception is that they've done wrong. And we always need to remember that it's their stuff. It's not our stuff. You know, yeah. nasty stuff happens to all of us and it's how we react to it. And if we carry that, that grief, that bitterness, um, and we don't forgive, um, I mean, you, you hear people, um, the first big story I, I remember about uh, forgiveness was the the minister who's lost a daughter in the Lockerbie yeah. uh, plane crash many years ago up in Scotland and he for, he forgave the uh, people who caused the the plane to blow up and, and go down in Scotland mm -hmm. and people couldn't understand how on earth can this man forgive these terrorists and he he, he lost his daughter well, those terrorists, in his view, were doing something that they passionately believed in. And, and OK, sometimes, you know, there's a few casualties for, for the greater good. So whatever, you know, situation anybody's coming from, they don't necessarily do it to be vindictive, but it's their stuff. It's their perception. And as you say, we have we all have free will, but it's how we react. And by by being able to release that emotion and be able to give forgive the person or the people is huge and it and it helps in healing and for people that i mentor with cancer unless they come to that acceptance yeah. that they you know they you know they need to do a lot of deep emotional work a lot of them you can put as many pills and potions and creams <laughs> and and th therapies and ologies and whatever on on a condition but unless you deeply uh, truly get to the root of the emotions you you're not going to recover end of and it's not negotiable no, I know. So, um, I think a lot of things that people don't realise is that when you're growing up as well, we're all given different filters. And that's why we're all so different. Um, we've been brought up different. We've all got different values. Um, and people react differently to, to different situations. And for me, I, I knew that I needed to forgive these people what they did because if I didn't, it would actually destroy my life. And I guess that I mean my life to me is really valuable. Um, I want to be here for my kids and my I mean my grandkids. So it was like it was my I guess my way of releasing. So all the like pent up anger and uh, I mean that I felt for years. Um, and I can't explain how it feels now. It's like I've just got such a free life and I'm so happy and just so. Um, I don't know, I just love life. Life is just so different now from what it was two years ago. I can't, I just can't stress enough. Like, just, doesn't matter what they've done to you, just forgive people because the only person you're harming is yourself. You're not Absolutely. actually hurting them because they couldn't care less. There's, there's um, a saying um, about forgiving people. We forgive, we forgive others, uh, not because they deserve it, but because we're worth it. Yeah, definitely, 100% on that. Okay, here's some music, Green River by Credence Clearwater Revival. Um, so Mary, we were talking about um, how you're recovering from PTSD and reading books and getting more self-confident and yeah. growing as a person, facing your fears and, and, and doing all that sort of stuff. Uh -huh. And um, when 
I, I, I first, well, my, you opened my eyes a few weeks ago. You did a presentation about uh, an upcoming walk that you were doing. Yeah. Well, a trek, <laughs> I suppose you'd call it, with, with some other ladies. And yes. you, were, you were fundraising for a charity. Tell us about that event. And um, surely that was facing, or certainly for the, the girls anyway, facing fears and yeah, doing it. It definitely was. Um, obviously, I've not walked um, for a while. Um, heard that one of the girls was raising money for a charity called Me and D, um, who raised money for um, young children that obviously uh, are possibly on there, uh, possibly going to die, and they give them a respite holiday um, with their families, and also like guys that are suffering with PTSD. Um, and obviously, PTSD is close to my heart because I suffer with it. And I wanted to help other people that are suffering as well. Um, and when I found out one of the girls from 4Networking was doing the walk, I decided to join them. Um, what I did find out when I was doing it was that none of them have done it before. Um, they've not uh, walked Snowden. So um, my idea was to do a foresight a couple of weeks or the week before we went. The week, Yeah, it was Thursday before we went on the Saturday. And um, basically, um, the foresight was all about um, staying safe on the mountain, um, what kit to wear, and just basically, like, do you mean, like, just being really aware that how quick weather changes up there and stuff like that. And just, do you know I mean, basically giving them the basics what to do in a situation if it got out of hands up there. Lucky enough, nothing did. And it was an amazing day. Um, walked with um, Emma Lorenz Chapman. Um, I walked with um, Emma's husband and her friend and um, her son. And we also walked with um, Jeanette Brown and her husband and her daughter. And there was a few other people that came with us as well at the same time. Um, so then there was Jill, Jill Kershaw from 4Networking as well. So like there was four girls from 4Networking that are in the, obviously like in the same team um, that did it together. And it was amazing. So you say, you, you make it sound like you're going for a stroll. It wasn't quite a stroll, was it? <laughs> no, no, far from it. So you went up Snowden? Yeah, we did Snowden. Um, it, was, it was hard work, but, um, but, you know, when you get to the top and you just like, you know, you've made it and it's like that fear barrier. Obviously, I'm 50. I've, the last time I walked Snowden was about eight years ago. Um, so it's quite a while since I've done anything really taxing like that. So for me, it was a real big ask. But obviously the other girls, it was a big ask for them because they've not done anything like that before. And um, yeah, it was amazing. And we made, we went, sorry, we raised quite a lot of money as well. Um, I think it was nearly £3,000 that we raised. Did you really? Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Oh, fantastic. So um, what was the hardest part of it, Mary? I would have said the hardest part for me was probably the last 200 metres. Um, it was tough. Um, and I had, I had that voice. You know, you get that voice in the back of your head saying, like, you can't make this, you're going to fail. Like, you must just give up now. You must just sit down and walk back down, love, because you just ain't got it anymore. And, like, my heart and my, my inner brain were saying to me, no way, I ain't quitting. It's like... I'm up this mountain and I'm at the top. I'm not quitting. And it was just, I had that constant battle going off in my head for the last 200 metres. And it was, when I got to the top, I just stood there and I just like, said like, Nathan, like that inner voice can just do one because I've made it. So that was 200 metres from the top that you yeah. started getting these, uh, hmm. these feelings. Gosh. So um, 
I was really impressed with all the kit that you had when you were doing your talk. You just kept on bringing out this rope <laughs> and that pair of shoes and this stick and that bag and this this uh, emergency thing and so on. Yeah. You, you you must have you must have hundreds, if not thousands, of pounds worth of kit just in case. I wouldn't say it's hundreds and thousands of pounds worth of kit. I mean, I've obviously been collecting it for a long time because um, I like to walk. Um, and for me, a lot of the kit was, it's necessary. If you go up in a pair of leggings, you'll be fine on a, on a summer's day. But obviously this was in October. Um, we'd had torrential rain the day before um, on the Saturday because we were supposed to do it on the Saturday. So we back healed it until the Sunday because we knew we were going to have a clearer day. Um, and even then it, it was, it was still wet, but however, we had clear skies the whole way up until we got to the top where we had cloud cover. So when the cloud covers, it absolutely like, it's almost like being in a, a, a rainstorm because it just absolutely pours down with rain. So you can get wet quite quickly and rapidly up there within seconds. Um, so you've got to have the right, right type of kit to keep you warm and you have to layer up, um, while you're up there as well. So you can peel it on and off. Um, depending on obviously your situation that you're in as you're, as you're climbing up. How long did it take you to climb Snowdon? Um, it took three hours up. Oh, I was thinking it was going to be longer, okay. No, it was three, three hours. So how, how far is it? Um, seven, I think it's, I'm not sure how high it is. <laughs> that, how, how, what about in miles, like up and down? Would that be what, five miles, six uh, no, miles? No, it's more than that. I, I think it's about... I think it's about 10 or 7, 7 or 10. Right. Okay. I'm not sure. I haven't actually it's, looked. It's a good old stroll anyway. Yeah, it's it's a good old stroll, yes. Definitely Okay, is. would you do it again? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Would you do Snowdon again or another, um, uh, another well, hill? Um, actually, now you mention it, we are... Well, I'm planning um, to do Helvellyn in May. Um, the uh, last bank holiday in May, I'm going to be doing Helvellyn and it's going to be for raising money for PTSD again and me and D charity. Okay, um, and, and where's, where's Helvellyn? What did you call it? Helvellyn. It's in the Lake District. Right, okay. Marvellous. So, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I've not done Helvellyn, so um, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what the challenge is going to be, but um, I know I'm going to get to the top. I'm sure you'll do your research between now and then. And Definitely. Are you looking for people to join you? Um, yeah. Yeah, if people want to come and join me, they're more than happy to. I mean, I'm more than happy for people to join me. So, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing it. And if everything goes really well, I'm doing Helvellyn in May. We're going to be doing Ben Nevis in um, end of August um, for the same charity. So, um, so I'm going to be basically doing two mountains. Um, so I'd have done all three. Um, all three three peaks within a year Gosh. Um, just to raise money for me and D charity for PTSD and for families that have got um, people that are obviously not going to be here for much longer. And the, the charity that you've mentioned, me and D, how, how is that spelt? Um, it's um, M-E and like A-N-D and D, which is D-double-E. Is that .co.uk? Yep, .co.uk. So me and D.co.uk. So uh, marvellous. Okay, let's hear for a number by Cliff Richard. You're listening to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley and the lovely Mary Wright in the studio. We've been talking about uh, how Mary's uh, been recovering from PTSD and uh, the fact that we are all different, we're all unique and we're all weird, Mary, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. 
we definitely are weird we're we're, we're our kind of weird though and yes. I think it's important to mix with with a, a tribe where you identify so um a lot of people think I'm really weird because of the way I eat, the way I live, um, mm. the way I don't get flustered. Stuff happens, uh, you know, it, stuff really doesn't bother me anymore. Um, and I think that's a kind of um, sign of getting older and, and accepting, but accepting um, and being comfortable in my own skin and accepting that other people are comfortable in their own skin. But it doesn't mean to say I have to put up with them or listen to them or associate with them. And I, I don't know about you, Mary, but I found as I've got older that I've become more tolerant in some respects and less tolerant in other respects. So I, I will not suffer fools and um, people who, for example, say one thing and do another. Mm. Um, people who like claim to be uh, authentic, you know, the buzzword yeah. these days, um, mm. but actually they're not. Mm. Um, and I, I, I seem to have kind of a radar and um, people who behave like that around me they know I've they know I've sussed them without even saying anything. So I've got I've got a strange kind of weird sort of aura around me, which which I quite love. You know, I, I quite like seeing people's reaction as well. Sometimes, yeah. uh, sometimes people do you find people sometimes say things to try and get a reaction from you? Definitely, yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of times where people will come up to you and say something just to. Um, to see how you react, to see if you react the same way you used to react. And um, I don't know whether this is significant or whether other people have, have come across this, but I hit when I hit 50, it was like, I don't really care. Do you know what I mean? What other people say or think, do you know what I mean? I'm not going to let stuff bother me anymore. So there's certain things now that, do you know what I mean, two or three years ago would have really bothered me and I'd have taken it to heart. Whereas like now it's like, I mean, you can say whatever you like, because like I've got this almost like, as you say, this aura mm. of like around me that that keeps me safe from um, from harm like that of what people say say about you and to you. It still hurts though when people do, you know, if anybody does, I, I still get hurt. Mm. It actually gets worse, or, or actually gets better. I'm, I'm past sixty now, so I've got ten years plus on you, <laughs> um, and you think you, you you become sort of um, liberated when you're fifty. Mm. Try when you get sixty, and then then reevaluate is <laughs> even more even more free. So um, I want to put a shout out to Yvonne Yvonne Davis, who I know is listening, and um, I know she's listening because she's uh, sent me a Facebook message with a a wonderful post about um, twenty one people who look younger than her age. Um, I couldn't believe your age, Mary, because you, you you look <laughs> a lot younger, and I think some of that as well is because we're we're comfortable in our, in our own skin. Yeah, we don't we know you know we don't have the wrinkles that some people do. We're not mm. screwing our face up, and we're not stressing that you know yeah. the whole time. It, um, it takes less muscles to smile than what it does to uh, grimace. That's a very true fact. Absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, hello to um, to Yvonne out there, and I expect uh, Shazza, um, one of my fellow presenters, who does the Sunday night. Uh, 80s show is listening she, she normally does so anybody wants to put a, a comment on Facebook um, then uh, feel free my Elastic FM page is Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley and I also have Perfect Health with Elaine Godley which is a 
uh, Facebook group where we have uh, about 3,000 people on there. It's a health group and uh, a lot of people use it as a go-to resource for health and wellbeing questions. I use uh, it all the time. Do you? Yeah, I get amazing. some lovely, lovely comments and people who contact me privately through that group um, and I get asked all sorts of questions on this condition and that condition and what mm. should they do and you know I, I love putting people in contact with each other which is which is really rewarding um to yeah. do so uh, so that's perfect health um with elaine godley is the group and and then the page is perfect health on elastic fm with elaine godley so please feel free to post or tag or whatever or, or, or just tag me um on on facebook um so um, we have got a little bit of music now from, um, who is this? The Bee Gees. Um, so Mary, um, you've chosen two songs. Um, the first of which is Tina Turner, Simply the Best. And the second one is Pitbull um, and Christina Aguilera, feel the, they feel this moment. So why did you choose both of those? Um, the first one I chose because um, it's taken me a long time to actually um, really truly um, feel um, the love for myself. Um, do you know what I mean? To, to find, to actually look in the mirror and say how much I love myself. I know it sounds crazy, but do you know I mean? If you don't love yourself, nobody else is going to love you. And Tina Turner, this is where the Tony Robbins bit came in for me. Um, the Tina Turner song that came out was when I was actually there at the event, um, the first one. And it was almost like um, a switch that went on when it was being played after the, um, the tools and that that we were, we were given. And it was just a realisation of like, if I don't love myself, no one else is going to love me. And it's like, now, since that, that that pivotal song, every day I just like I just love myself. Like, do you mean as much as I can? And it's just proof in the pudding that, do you know I mean, I've got so many like amazing people in my life now in the last couple of years. Um, so for me, it is actually proof that that if you love yourself, you have people come to you that love you as well. Exactly, and also they they say it's like. Uh, the when you're in the aeroplane, put your oxygen mask on first because mm, the more yeah. you look after yourself, the better you can then help other people. Definitely. And I, I just wish we were taught this in schools. Mm. It's uh, it's really important to 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 feel grounded and to feel yeah. balanced. Yeah. Um, well, I'm hoping that. Um, I mean, my daughter um, is just studying to uh, to start working in schools, and a lot of the stuff that I'm teaching her, she's actually teaching to my my grandchildren as well. Do you know what I mean as they're growing up? So hopefully, at some point, do you mean some of it's going to resonate in some of the schools locally? Um, do you know what I mean with what my my daughter teaches? And hopefully my grandkids, if they decide to go into teaching, that it may resonate even more. I think there's a lot more people out there nowadays that are trying to get more of this into schools. Um, about, do you mean, liking themselves and, do you mean, it's, it's about them inwardly. Because once you find that inward power of who you are and what you want to be and where you're going, people like just... Um, they just gel to you like magnet. Mm, I can't explain it. <laughs> Brilliant. So here are your two songs, uh, Mary. Thank you so much for coming in the studio this afternoon. It's been a real pleasure. 
okay. having you with me and it's always nicer um, having a live guest um, one who is uh, like-minded so uh, thank yeah. you and we've got uh, Tina Turner and Pitbull and Christina Aguilera coming up especially for you thank you very much So, uh, Mary, you were telling me uh, when we were off mic about Pitbull and um, his story. So just summarise briefly for the listeners. Um, yeah, um, Pitbull basically um, came to Tony Robbins' event um, this year. And it was, it was basically a gift from Tony Robbins to, to all the crew and to everyone in the room. And he came and performed for free of charge um, in the room, told us his life story. Absolutely incredible. If you've never heard it, then find some information on Pitbull and um, learn about his story. This guy gives so, so much back, you would not believe. Um, totally inspired me. Um, absolutely amazing singer, but I mean, he absolutely loves life and he gives back to so many, so many people. Um, same as Tony, same as uh, Tony Robbins, he um, feeds a lot of people, um, does lots of stuff for the community, and um, feeds thousands and thousands of children um, that are starving in the world. Um, I think so, that's really important, isn't it? That, yeah, uh, it's 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 all very well being a celebrity and having mm. lots of money, but it's what you do with it that's yes. important, isn't it? And, it is, and uh, sharing the love sort of thing. Yeah, it's giving back. Like, don't don't think that like just because you earn lots of money. Um, that it makes you a better person because it doesn't it's better to give back and to help the world heal itself um so um, that's certainly what i'll be doing over the next coming 10 15 years is giving back as much as i can to help as many people as i can fabulous um just going to do a shout out now for for kai so kai koziol who is a young man who was uh, in the studio with me a couple of weeks ago hi hi kai and um, you want me to mention the support group that um, you attend every Monday, which is in Mansfield Woodhouse. It's at Focus Point at uh, Mansfield Woodhouse. I've got the postcode. I don't have the uh, name of the road and I'm afraid I don't know the area. So I'm going to read the postcode and hopefully people can find it. It's, it's SFA Focus Point. Um, it's a support group for, for anybody who'd like to, to turn up, you know, particularly people on their own, perhaps go for a cup of tea and a chat. Um, they're not therapists, they're just uh, people who like helping, like you were saying, Mary, you know, yeah. giving, giving back. Um, it's every Monday, it's from 11.30 until 1.30, and it's at Focus Point, Mansfield Woodhouse, NG198BD, NG198BD, that's at Focus Point, Mansfield Woodhouse. And uh, thank you, Kai, for uh, letting me know that. Uh, anybody has any um uh, housekeeping that they want me to talk about uh, on the radio uh, in fact I've got a couple here the Bowls Over School are having a, um, a Christmas celebration on Wednesday the 5th of December uh, that's at 12.45 and that is at um, the Bowls Over School so if you're in Bowls Over I'm sure you'll, you'll uh, know where that is and uh, there's a Christmas fair, which is at the Clown Community Centre on Saturday the 17th of November. So that's this Saturday coming at um, the uh, Clown Community Centre in Recreation Close. And that is uh, an all-day affair by the looks of things, is it? Uh, let me see. It's afternoon. So it looks like... Oh, here we go. 10 till 5. So 10 o'clock, Clown Community Centre, till 5, uh, this coming Saturday. So... Um, we're going to hear now a 
pre-recorded interview I did a little while ago with a lovely lady called uh, Kathleen who is in America and um, she's going to be talking about self-perception and a couple of other things so um, here we are Kathleen. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks to my guests uh, Kathleen Minor and Mary Wright. I will see you all next week on Perfect Health with Elaine Godley. Have a most fantastic week.